0: This is The Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to The Storied Outdoors. My name is Brad Hill and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Brian Gill and we are are joined today by Brandon Bales. Brandon is born and raised in North Alabama, just minutes away from the foothills of Tennessee. Brandon can still call this beautiful rural setting his home alongside his wife, his two sons, and two adventurous dogs. Growing up, he spent countless hours hunting, fishing, trapping, and exploring the woods and streams around his house, and he hasn't stopped even to this day. He says, I'm convinced that the woods and the water make you a student for life. Brandon works full time for NASA, but on the side, he is a pure artist when it comes to tying flies. He's a commercial fly tire designer for uh fooling mills. He sits on tire boards for several companies like a Rex hooks. We just heard about them from Wade. Very excited about what's going on with a Rex and Wade, but HM, uh, HMH vices and Dr. Slick tools to name a few. Um, his flies have been featured in several books in like small mouth flies top to bottom by Jake and and uh Aaron Reed's fly fishing Austin in Central Texas I was recently Brandon out in Austin uh visiting a friend of mine in Temple and I went fishing with one of the guys from Living Waters fly fishing oh yeah and he was uh he knew about you and asked me did I know you and I was like yes I actually have met Brandon <laughs> you know I live on the opposite end of the state from Brandon but I actually <laughs> have met him so that was a cool connection but uh we met you Brian and I last summer When we came up, we had that was our first time to catch a smallmouth bass. And uh, that very day, uh, we ran into you along those same waters and you gave us a couple of little, little little bitty crawfish patterns. And man, they're incredible. And uh, we're just honored to have you join us today, brother. So thanks for joining the Storied Outdoors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. Yeah. It was a, it was a sort of a neat circumstance just to bump into y'all, you know. on one of my little outings, you know, for smallmouth. So that was cool. And like we were talking about before we started recording, it was, uh, I got to hear a little bit of the story about the one that got away and what all you got to see <laughs> and the, the new, unique setting that we have up here. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always fun on the streams here.
2: Brandon, you've been, you've been doing this, uh, fly fishing and fly tying for a long time um who was it that exposed you to fly fishing
1: well you know um no one believe it or not no one in my family fly fishes i'm the only one um what that's always the same tell, for me yeah so what I always tell people story. yeah so uh even you know even as far as hunting um my my dad he he Years ago, he was a quail hunter, but he never did anything else um, really in the outdoors. Um, But my grandfather, uh, they lived, they had a farm right in front of uh, our house. And um, it was all, that was sort of, the treat was help granddad out in the garden or in the wood shop or doing whatever. A lot of times it was just what I figured out over time, but I know this because I do it now. he was trying to spark my creativity. So he had a, he, he worked on the, Ars- the Redstone Arsenal. And uh, in his off time, he gardened and had a, a woodworking shop. And he would carve, he loved birds. He would carve birds and paint and do all these different things. Um, and so at the end of the day, when it was warm weather, uh, they had this spring fed creek that he grew up on across the road from his house. And he would tell me I, that my first vivid memory, and I always tried to just think about how it used to be, but he grew up on Panther branch is the name of the, the spring Creek. Um, it's mm. actually technically it's six different small springs that come out of the ground and they meet pretty much right in front of, uh, their property. And, um, he told me when he was younger, his, His grandfather um, worked somewhere close to Tennessee, and Tennessee, of course, stocks trout um, in a lot of the rivers. And he knew a guy that worked at the hatchery, and he would get these leftover rainbows. And he lived just close enough to where he would make it back home. He would toss them in Panther Branch. You know, this is back in the, what, 1930s. And my granddad said, yeah, I remember, you know, we would spend all summer catching the those trout out of the creeks that he put in there and we would end up you know they would cook them and eat them so the water i mean i remember that it must have
0: stayed pretty cold
1: then. oh yeah i mean it, it would i remember as a kid it would take my breath when i would step in the water so i mean mm. um so no one really fly fish to my family but it, there was just when i was out with my granddad everything sort of centered around uh, panther branch this little creek that's where we could go explore you know so that's that sort of that combined with knowing at one time there was trout in there you know of course stock but just that idea you know i would look in field and stream magazines and see pictures of these guys fly fishing like, man that would be so cool so i would in my mind i was thinking like i want to go out west and fish for these trout but little do i know um and i found out you know years later on but you know i had it's one of those things i appreciate what i have now because i've got i don't have trout but i have you know these beautiful sunfish and spotted mm-hmm. bass and like you guys saw you know it's 15 minutes from my house but a small mouth i mean it's you know there's there's like i said i appreciate what i what i have I, and mm-hmm. although i do love traveling um I don't know i just uh, home water is where it's at for me
2: that panther branch is that is that um kind of a nod to your granddad that you uh the 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 bugs i think panther branch bugs you're, or, that's your handle right that's your handle yeah, right
1: that is uh yeah so um yeah i was just i remember early on i was trying to think like, it was like well, what do we call these or what are you what are you doing here and um, right before I submitted my first pattern to Fooling Mills, um, which was a it's a grasshopper pattern, uh, they're like, you know, what do you what are you calling this? So, like, you know, most people put their last name in front of the pattern and and I was like, Well, you know, I was trying to think and I was like, Well, I come up you know, I sort of come up with the idea of this grasshopper because that's what I use on Panther Branch. So I was like, Well, mm. Panther Branch bugs just sort of went well together so i've kept
0: it it ever since so that's so good i love that
1: story because there's
0: a little history and legacy there and Mm -hmm. makes it so much so much there's a richness in that i like that a lot yeah what's your what's your first memory of fly fishing you know as you you know the first time that you you went out and and did it probably be fresh because you're like us i mean both of us have that kind of a story no one fly fly fished in our family that we knew of and mm-hmm. we picked it up you know i picked it up in college uh, yeah and just we got some vhs tapes and taught myself
1: you know yeah. yes um i i was probably i was probably 11 or 12 years old um again i've worked around my granddad and you know he would he would let me do some chores to make some money if i if there was something you know and i had my eye on just I just wanted a fly rod. I just wanted to try a fly rod and, um, big box store had, you know, I'm sure like most of them started out a, a full kit, the rod, the line, the reel, and a couple of flies. And, um, it's funny thinking about it now because I, I, my earliest memory, I can remember they would let me, there's a bridge at each end of uh, the street and I could walk downhill to the, the, I could walk to the bridge downhill and they could still see me. So it was like, okay, you can go down there. We can see that you're okay. Went down there and uh, had these, what they were, they were just trout flies, some little dries. I didn't know what this, I was like, oh, this is a bug. So I tied on a little black um, dry fly. It was was actually an Adams, but it was tied in all black uh, with some grizzly hackle and no idea about floating nothing like that and it had rained uh probably a day or two before and the water was a little murky and i can remember I, of course my cast was awful but i was able to get out <laughs> just a few feet next to the bank and i would just left the left the current i didn't know what i was doing this time but i was actually swinging but my dry flies were turning into soft tackles and every time it would get <laughs> near the bank it would start to swing down uh, a little longer sunfish or like a red breast sunfish will come out and grab it and r- try to go back under the bank and uh of course i don't even know what size tippet was pre-rigged on this rod but i broke off like almost every fly that i had um just because i was so excited and uh i finally got in um one little really colorful red breast and that again people you probably see a lot of times I post lots of pictures of, i just, I think that that Creek and that first fish, it's just ingrained in my mind. Um, as like something special and it's sort of nostalgic to me. So, uh, I've, you know, I'm still doing the same thing today, but I was at 11, 12 years old. It's
2: a gateway drug, right?
1: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just never left it. <laughs>
2: Man, those uh those sunfish, there there's just so much beauty in those fish. I mean, they're and the, the the water temperature and the water clarity, all of it affects how they look. It's just a beautiful beautiful creation. It, looks it looks really tropical good. some of them. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. it really does. Yeah, it looks they really do look tropical.
2: So you started out with the uh, a black Adams. Mhm. Yeah probably be called a wednesday adams here yeah. <laughs> if it was created if it was created this in 2023 20, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> what would um so when did you start tying your own flies
1: i was probably you know i didn't start tying my own flies until um uh, let's see my oldest son is 16 i was it was probably he's quite the
2: fisherman too though isn't he
1: well, the, so that's my youngest my 11 year old your youngest one yeah
2: okay okay i want to get i want to circle back to some of his stories in yeah. a little bit
1: yeah okay. now, my 16 year old he so uh he he's like into baseball he's a phenomenal baseball player and i tell him like i was just never a good athlete so i had to fly fish like that's <laughs> or wise, you know i do this man crafting at the vice um <laughs> <laughs> but uh I was probably in my early to mid-20s when I started tying um, just because, you know, it was something to do to sort of extend the season, Um, but, you know, it got a lot more serious, and I've told this story um, many times, but uh, when my youngest was two, um, he got hospitalized and it just turned out since i'm a government worker we were all also furloughed at the same time um as he was hospitalized it turns out he was on antibiotics for like strep throat or an ear infection um but we got a call from the church he went to mother's morning out and they said he had a seizure which scared me to death because it you know that's just a scary word to me, and yeah we had never experienced anything like that with him, so we rushed him to the ER. He was actually, thank the Lord, he was on antibiotics for the strep throat or whatever, but it was partially treating uh, meningitis that they diagnosed him with. Oh wow! Um, mm. So we spent, I want to say, twelve to fourteen days, uh, probably probably about ten days in the hospital. Then we came home and he had a pick line and um this you know i hate to admit this but i'm i'm a worrier and i did i worried a lot about him my wife is a you know my wife is in the medical field she's a practitioner now she was a registered nurse back then um but so i couldn't sleep at night so i would there was nothing to do so i would come and sit at my vice and i actually i would just tie flies and it would. I would sort of escape, you know, the stress for a little bit and mm. I could go back in and sort of be relaxed and, and go, go to sleep. Um, so that sort of led into me starting to create things. I just, as I should back up and say, as a kid, I always was into drawing and painting. Uh, like I was telling you from I was going to ask you if, yeah.
2: if there was any other arts that you were interested
1: in. Yeah. I mean, uh, with my granddad, we did a lot of wood carving and whittling and things like that. So there was always some form of art that I was around. This just really opened the doors. Um, whereas before, it was more of an essential thing like, oh, I need some of these. Let me just halfway throw some woolly buggers together, you know, to go out fishing. But for whatever reason, this sort of became a therapy to me um, after, after a while and, from my son's illness you know once he got better it just sort of carried on and creative things started happening and just yeah it's been going ever since
2: (laughs) it's some of the most beautiful flies i've ever seen man and i'm not just saying that i mean the the kind that you tie with the deer hair i mean that they look too pretty to fish I mean, they
0: look like <laughs> something you'd put on the wall. I thought that a couple yeah. times, I was like, man,
1: I don't know that I
0: could put that out there, man.
1: That's awesome. That's like what, you... A, and you know, I tell, I tell everybody, I'm like, I've had people tell me that, and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I could, um, I don't know that I could just tie a fly that was good enough. You know, I know that I could, but I, for whatever reason, I can't let something go until I think that it's. You know to to a certain perfection um mm. and and even then i'll tell guys they're like man i can't fish this i'm like hey i know the guy that that ties them so if you lose it we can <laughs> we can do it all over again
2: <laughs> do you feel like the um do, do you get satisfaction in the product of the the of the tying the process, or are you, I man? I mean, you, you kind of just alluded to it. I mean, the if you lose that fly, is it, I mean, is it, is, is it something that you're frustrated at, or is it you're really hoping to catch, you know, big fish out of these things? I mean, I, it seems like that you almost have two different worlds. It's like the art side of it where you're getting satisfaction, and then you get to actually use it for some utility side of it.
1: Yeah. Where, absolutely. where but, you
2: fall on that?
1: In, to me it's um it's funny because and just like you talked about it changes so whenever i'm at the vice um and i'm making the fly i want it to look absolutely perfect uh, and while i'm tying it i'm I, I know good and well you know if it say it's for me personally i know i'm gonna fish it um it used to really bother me if i lost a fly i mean like i would I, i'll still go to a certain extent to retrieve them if i can but um <laughs> yeah but, but
0: i saw there was a there was a meme or something this this past week that somebody sent me on instagram and it was some guy like defying death
1: and <laughs> it was like
0: this is what a fly fisherman would do to get that fly back
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there you know i've i've done it before you know gone in way deeper than i should or gone over to a tree that looked way too snaky that I shouldn't even be around to get a flyback. But it's <laughs> funny because, like I said, at the VICE, I do tie them to, I tie them to be fish, but I tie them to, you know, as close to perfect in my mind as as I can get. Um, and then, again, if the, if it's my fly personally, usually I have a, a tie for – specific reason or a specific even fish um for instance there was this one smallmouth that i knew was in this deep hole uh, this is at a a place a farm in tennessee that has a really cool little creek off the main mm-hmm. river and i was like i had seen this smallmouth, and uh actually my buddy <laughs> this, this is a whole nother story but my buddy had hooked it and then immediately handed the rod to my 11 year old son and said, Hey, you reel it in because he thought he had hooked to like a big drum because it came up and jumped. And I was like, that didn't look like a drum that had a lot more bronze (laughs) color to it, but it was so big that even then I was like, oh, maybe it was a carp just doing something really funny. I've never seen a carp jump, but maybe, you know, this is really fast water too. Um, Ended up, my son was like, "Oh yeah, it is a carp," and he just reefs on this with a spinner rod. He reefs on it, breaks the breaks the line, and loses the fish. And um, so my buddy, he had to. This is one from Gulf Shore, Orange Beach. So he had to leave. So he leaves with this horrible memory of like thinking, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's like he he was just being kind and letting my son catch this drum quote unquote that ended up being <laughs> um a really big fish and i remember coming home i told him i said i said i'm gonna take a picture of that fish whenever i catch us. like i i know where that fish is it stays in that area so, because i caught some nice fish there um, and he's like man i really hope you do he's like send me a picture and i like i came home tied up some flies waited for the water to be perfect condition like i, I go overboard sometimes i was watching the gauge flows online and i was like okay now I can go and i tied a streamer just for that specific fish and uh the second didn't catch anything the first day the second day i went i ended up catching him and it was a 21 and a half inch smallmouth as my oh, biggest, and I mean, it was just like a giant football. Um, yeah, but
2: wow, no wonder he thought it was a drone. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, so you see, that's why I knew that that fly was either going to get lost or you know, just get crushed by a fish and probably shred it up, by you know, and it did by one that size, even tying it pretty well. Um, but I wasn't upset, I was like. No, not with the fish Hotic that big perfection and you know now the fly's hanging up on the wall you know <laughs> it's been retired yeah <laughs> yeah.
0: there's an interesting uh is a sweet little line and if you've ever read a river runs through it and you know I know a lot of fish and fly fishermen you know will kind of like poo poo on They're like oh that's <laughs> the classic you know of course you've read that but or you watch the movie hardly anybody's read the book unfortunately but it's a yeah. wonderful book yeah and he talks about um there's a buddy of theirs that ties a lot of their flies, and he tells this story about how he he tied the he didn't tie them from his point of view he tried to tie flies from a fish's point of view, so he had an he had an aquarium filled up, and he would put the fly in the water and he would lay up underneath the aquarium he had a little rig where he could lay up underneath the aquarium and see what the fish sees, yeah. So so when you're tying flies, you know what what are what are some of the things that you're doing? Because we we see the top, and a lot of people will tie flies, and that looks good from the top, but that's not what a fish sees. They see what's on the bottom. So like, I always thought that was a pretty cool little story, especially on a book that was written that long ago. Oh yeah. But what's when you're when you're tying? What's your, sort of your approach to that that part of the the work?
1: Yeah, I mean that's sort of the that's definitely the approach I take. Is um, like I first take into consideration like the silhouette of um a particular fly that i'm that i'm tying like is it giving off the correct silhouette and then the second thing is the action um you know is it doing what it naturally what it's supposed to or is it making a commotion that will trigger a strike or anything like that and then really third and i mean the looks really are in last, you know last place for me but i mean i know good and well you know like for instance uh like the deer hair frogs you know unless the eyes are really bulged out you can look underneath and the, the fish can't see the eyes or the different colored dots on top of the frog's back um, that's just sort of you know that's more for for us as it's as a
2: catch has to catch the fisherman. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I go silhouette action and then last as looks, as far as like cosmetics. Yeah. Um, and, and two, that's, and whenever you create a fire, at least whenever I do, um, a lot of times I, I want to solve a problem. Um, there's, there's something missing. Like, you know, I gave you guys, uh, or when I saw you, uh, you guys out with Wade that dad gave y'all some, uh, little crawfish. I mm-hmm. can't remember if they were, they were either some of my, my buddy in Arkansas, Dwayne, he has the Creek crawler, which, I uh, um, time fish, they're a little bit bigger, but then there's my little tiny, the little hatchling crawl. That's
0: what they, that's what I, I had. That yeah. That's what I have. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so th- that one, for example, um, I came up with that because, like on Panther Branch and some of these smaller creeks and streams, um, there's no need for a huge two, three-inch long crawfish if I'm using, and especially, you know, they're usually pretty heavily weighted because you want to get them on the bottom and just sort of crawl them. Um, Mm. But... And I, and I know the fish in these streams eat crawfish, but what I noticed was there were these little tiny, a lot of times they're freshly like molted, but for the most part, you I would find tons of these really small crawfish. And uh, I looked and looked, and I'd seen a couple of patterns online, um, but still they were, they were big. I mean, even an inch long, I want something tiny like the juveniles I'd seen something that like a sunfish could get in its mouth so that's how the little hatchling crawl came about but i wanted that you know there's an issue or a problem that i wanted to solve i wanted to be able to feed these smaller fish or fish with smaller mouths um something that they see and eat on a regular basis um then i got the silhouette the way i wanted it and uh then from there you know the last thing was the looks, you know. I could use a different backing material, something like that. But uh, yeah, I just the main thing was to get it down in a small enough size and have that silhouette. So,
0: yeah, my uh, a, a friend of ours has been on has been on the show before. Um, lives out in Texas. That was who I was visiting when I was telling you I'd gone out there and met the guys from Living Waters. But he also uh, Chase also ordered some. Uh, some flies from you yeah uh, he he did
1: okay yeah i remember chase he
0: he told me to tell you that uh they've been smashed out there in the his little creeks (laughs) and yeah, in temple texas so yeah man so they work uh they work in texas too buddy
1: (laughs) yeah yeah um so i gotta ask so when you went out fishing were you with chris johnson yes Uh, okay yes chris Chris is a great guy yeah me and chris uh at like the first yeah i guess it was like the first summer of covid maybe yeah i guess that's what we anyway i i went out there and stayed a few days in round rock and uh Great we fished, again. and it was right up my alley like brushy creek i mean yeah
0: that's took, where we fished
1: yeah i mean i could have spent and i did spend chris actually was trying to nudge me he's like hey let's uh <laughs> i think we're gonna go we did go to san gabriel to fish for guadalupe bass um and i caught some but i was enamored by those rio cichlids yeah. i just yeah. i couldn't get away from, because they're so they're Unique, so foreign yeah. to me you know and, but they're beautiful and uh they are. i had the yeah the little crawfish and actually chris has a really good small crawfish pattern he uses the yeah. rio bandito i think is the yeah. name of we them. fish
0: those we fish yeah. that fly
1: yeah so they're yeah and those things work awesome
0: yeah, and he's a, he's a tire for, a, how do you say it, is it umqua, How do you say that, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: Umqua. uh-huh.
0: Yeah, he's a designer for them, I think, isn't he?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, really fly cool guy. that fly and several, several others, actually.
0: Yeah, they got a, they have a great fly shop. If you're ever in, whoever's listening, if you're ever in Round Rock, Texas, man, swing
2: by Living Waters Fly Fishing, that's a great shop.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's awesome out there.
2: Brandon, do you have a favorite fly that you like to tie?
1: Hmm, man, that changes weekly. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: I, I was thinking that you might say that just because of your, you're, like you said, you're solving a problem.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's whatever problem
2: week. the next week. Yeah.
1: No, you know, honestly, um, if I could pick two, it would, I really do. And I enjoy a, no surprise here, but deer hair. Um, I actually, the smaller, um, Uh, deer hair frogs i enjoy tying those um because they're sort of a it's one of those things i don't know how you guys are uh with your fishing style but uh, i i love smallmouth i chase smallmouth a ton but 95 percent of the time i've got a I've got a glass four weight with me and that's what I use is like, you know, I've got six, sevens, eights that I, if I'm just going out for smallmouth, um, I'll carry a six or seven weight, uh, usually just a six unless the water's up or something or bigger rivers. But most of the time I just, I'm at the stage of my life that I enjoy catching everything. So I have the glass four weight and those smaller frogs, I've caught smallmouth on them. Redbreast can eat them. Bluegill can eat them. You know, they're a, I've caught some pretty nice red-eye bass. Um, some, uh, let's see, warrior. Yeah, mo- mostly warrior red-eye bass on them. Uh, so they're just a, They're another thing you don't see a lot of is smaller deer hair bugs. Um, so I, that's really what I, what I enjoy the most.
2: It looks like such a, I, I would love to see that process in person. I know you post a lot of making you know, videos and things like that on your, mm-hmm. your page and all that, but man, it's just the intricacies of just shaving that down into the shape. I mean, it's like whittling. You said that earlier, like you like the whittle and, um, you know, it, it yep. looks like you are whittling that that's, hair down into the shape.
1: That's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you're, you know, you, it's a, when you're done stacking the hair, it's just a big puff ball and you got to, <laughs> you sort of have to, you know, I'll rough trim with scissors, but then I've got, you know, I've got 200 double-edged razor blades sitting here that I just grab one and you start w- woodland carving away a little at a time. And you just sort of, you see that shape come about real slow. Um, it's funny before you guys, called. I know I told you I was having trouble getting connected with you guys. I lost track of time. I have a friend that lives just a few miles down the road and he uh he's I don't I think he used to duck hunt quite a bit. Anyway, he saw a tied up a mallard the other day, a deer hair mallard. Um Yeah, that thing looked cool. Yeah. I saw that. And he, he said, Hey man, would you uh would you tie me up two of those? And so I mean he one two flies, but I ended up like making this display like a hen mallard and the green <laughs> the the Drake and they're like coming in flying. Uh and I even I walked out in the field with my lab, uh, to where there was some hay, found some sage grass I could put in the scene It's like, you know <laughs> just just oh, taking man, it way too love far.
0: It. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Yeah. I mean you talked earlier about the sort of the therapy during that that season with with your son mm-hmm you know of the creation of this you know the creativity of making something with your hands and um how is that time and you know as you move on is as it continue to be that uh not just not just therapy but you know time for you to it helps you translate, translates perhaps even to your work. I mean, the, the work that you do is certainly not mundane at NASA, you know, so that the, the patience that it takes to do that, has it been a thing that has used to, uh, you know, it's changed you as a person and your work. Has it enhanced your work, uh, you know, in your professional work?
1: Yeah, I would say definitely. I think it, you know, I think it goes both ways because, um, I've always, always, and, I don't want to get like super deep here, but um, let's as, go. As a as a kid, um, I can look back, and I, my wife, me and her have had long talks about it. But there was definitely something I don't know. Well, nothing bad. I always had OCD as a kid. I mean, like in a negative way, as like a young child. Um, and to be honest. Uh, I joke about it like with my time like oh yeah I'm just a little OCD I actually through lots of uh, time and effort and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of work you know I sort of turned that into a positive um, yes. instead of it being something that debilitates me um, you turn that energy into something positive you know Uh, at work, uh, of course, NASA, you know, space stuff that's going to outer space, it's got to be done to the T. I mean, there's something bad (laughs) going to happen. I mean, Um, somebody's
0: life's at stake here. I mean, we've all watched Apollo 13. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like I've always been detail oriented in everything that I do. Um, and, and like I said, I think it, I don't know which way it goes. You know, it's like in the tying and, It works it's like in all areas of my life but like i said i've learned um once i became an adult i learned slowly over time to turn it into something positive um and not not affect me in a in a negative way and i think it's so far it's working
0: (laughs) doing the work that you do with nasa i just thought of this and i have to ask it when you're if you're ever watching a movie that has to do with outer space, say The Martian, are you going? Nope, that's not how that works.
1: Yeah, I tend to pick it apart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I I'm not going to lie. You know, I bet I, I can
0: <laughs> totally imagine that man. That's or, awesome.
1: or you know, I'm pointing out like what's what in the background of the ship. You know, like oh well, that instrument does this, or you know. But I mean, that's, that's amazing. The, that's the that's the thing though with my with my work. And the, the fun thing is, where whenever I'm at my vice, I'm actually creating something um, at work, we're, we, which we create these tests, but we're, what happens, is just like a brief background, a customer will come to say, like there's a customer that has a solar panel. They want to stick it in outer space, and they say, hey, uh, they'll come to our division and say, hey, what will happen to my solar panel? If I stick it in outer space for five years, well, we have these huge vacuum chambers, and we say, "Okay, give us a piece of the solar panel. We'll stick it in there, uh, pull down the atmosphere so it's a negative pressure. So whatever wow. it is in outer space, then we can mount different um, with ports. We can mount different instruments and shoot it with radiation. Um, we can shoot it with heat, cold. You know it." And so we get to break their stuff and say, "Hey, here's what happened in five years."
0: <laughs> it's gonna break. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gonna break. Yeah. I can tell you what's gonna happen to it. It's
2: gonna break. Yeah. So, so, so you're breaking stuff at work and making stuff at home. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it, Brand. I love that man. You're, you're basically, you know, what you've been able to do. You, you've been able to kind of redeem this, uh, this this you know OCD. D. Mm-hmm. You know, for something good. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, it, it's it's like this. You know, Andrew Peterson writes about you know adorning the dark. You know, and we're kind of called to redeem those places that we're that we're in, and you know, and sometimes you know I, I've even felt like um, you know trying to redeem the sadness of losing my dad or losing a loved one. You know, replacing those negative in those negative emotions with something positive. And so uh, that's, that's really cool, man. I love that. I love the way you have approached that. Um, other, are other, are other kind of life lessons or things that you've been able to kind of see maybe, um, that are connected with your faith, uh, through fishing or fly tying or, or being in the outdoors, um, that maybe lessons that you've learned over the years
1: yeah you know I, I always you know i keep going back to talking about small streams but there's something so i think the reason i've always stayed and loved the s- small streams um is it so intimate everything there you know you go and you sort of well just like the so that mallard that i tied the other day literally i was out i wasn't fishing i was just I was out, um, my youngest son loves to hunt, and hunting season's winding, or deer season's winding down, so I was getting stuff up for the season, and uh, it was getting close to dark, and I've just, over the years I've gotten this habit, um, I just, I take everything pretty slow, and i take it all in, and I remember I was sitting there, and in the, a little spring, it's actually Beaver Dam that they – just beavers. We call it the beaver pond. It's one of the springs they always dam up, but there's a mallard. And I just sat, and he didn't know I was there. I didn't want to disturb him, and I just sort of took it all in. And, you know, I don't know that I could – I sit there and thought about it, or actually on the walk back home, I thought, I don't know that I could – this is going to sound silly. I don't know if I could survive anywhere else. Like for some reason I need that, you know, that for whatever reason, just being out there, whether it be on the water or in the woods and I'm sort of a part of it. I'm not an intruder or I'm not disturbing it. And I, man, I I, I try to take in everything. I mean, I, not just that mallard, like, you know, what bugs are out like and then the whole time i'm thinking wow you know this was all created like this didn't just happen like god made all this and it's just it blows my mind like i'm i'm always so thankful like thank you for letting me just even be a part of this (laughs) and so i come home and I, i really i get so inspired that i sit down at a vice and i pulled out deer hair and feathers i'm thinking same thing like this came from you know a, a deer some you know something wild and so it's just repurposing all these things um i don't know it's to me it's the it's the whole it's a full gamut the full circle for me from anything from uh you know even heck uh you know we still my my youngest son like i say, loves the hunt if we go out and say he wants a squirrel hunt, we use, I use the fur for dubbing. We, I make sure he eats the fried squirrel whenever my wife's not around, you know, because, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's this, the whole process of it. Um, I don't know. It, it always makes me just grateful for, for all of it and for where I live, honestly. Hmm. That's so
0: good. I, I love the that idea of slowing down and really looking around and taking it all in i mean that's mm-hmm. so good for us because it really is what we need to do oh yeah uh, you know we need that i mean a part of that i think is sabbath you know i mean god calls us to yeah. sabbath rest and invites Absolutely. us into a, a sabbath rest and so when we go with that sort of pace of life that we are able to look around and notice the bugs and And that's another thing I love. That's probably one of the the things I love about fly fishing is, is, you know, we're not throwing out this artificial, you know, bait that's purple, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're, uh, we're really paying attention to what is hatching, you know, and the nature of the sport causes us to slow down and be a little more observant, you know, to Mm -hmm. read the water. Mm -hmm. We're not just throwing over there by just any structure, you know, if you're on, especially those creeks, I mean, those creeks, you know you you need to read the water and kind of get an idea of where fish are going to be and but you can't do that in a hurry you know Absolutely. You sl- slow down take your time and it's that is so so good for our soul and so needed in today's today's world oh yeah um, i think too and for you i mean man you're creating and when you're making these magnificent you know these magnificent flies i mean creating is is bringing you closer to the creator you know oh I mean, it, really,
1: it really is <laughs> you
0: know, we're made in his image and he's a maker and so to see somebody like you you know with excellence and you know taking time to you know not you know not that you're going to ever achieve perfection but you're working towards that yeah yeah exactly
1: that's the thing yeah you know,
0: you're trying to to make something that's honoring and man it, I think it honors him and so man that is so such a cool cool way to use those gifts man
1: yeah that's what i that's what i strive to do i mean i um uh and i tell people like hey if it going back to even people saying well i don't know if i want to fish this i'm like look if you don't want to fish it as long as it puts a smile on your face then i've done my job like if you know i'm not offended if you never fish it i'm not offended if you fish it and you know until it falls apart and whatever and i have to make you know like doesn't as long as I made you smile and you know I try to pass that along you know like exactly what you just talked about um, you mm-hmm. know it's it's one of those things and you know both of you guys know when you uh, there's certain ways to um, uh, approach or bring about uh, what your faith is to people not you know it's one of those things I was to put just a snippet in with any with any flies I, I send out um just just something you know i feel like that's the least i could do um because yeah. i was i think everybody's given a talent born with a purpose um and it should be my job to somehow pass along in some small way
2: well man you're doing a fantastic job of being a good steward of the gift that you've been given, I mean, it truly is a, a beautiful thing that you do. You and you put you put art into the world, but also people get to catch big big fish with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. seems like a pretty good combination. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: a win win. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it looks cool, but it also, man, you yeah, you're gonna
2: catch. And it's gonna fool the fish for yeah. sure. <laughs> Brandon, is there a um, is there a particular a particular story um that's kind of shaped you as a man uh you know a particular outdoor experience you know from your childhood from your you know 20s or you know anything like that i mean for me i i feel like those are those are constantly happening <laughs> you know i look at my son i look at my daughter whenever they're in the outdoors and they're experiencing these things. And you do such a good job of balancing a son who likes to fish and a son who likes to, to play uh, baseball and, you know, and, and supporting them in both their ways. But how, how about you? What is, um, what's been a, an experience in the outdoors that shaped you as a man?
1: Uh, you know, that there's, it's not just a particular one particular instance, but, um, and this uh, might sound like nothing big to a lot of people, but going back to whenever I was a kid, uh, going to Panther Branch with my grandfather, um, I can just remember uh, how we would get to these really deep holes. And I told you the water was so cold that it would just take your breath. And uh, I can, re- And the funny thing with my granddad, he, you know, on Sundays... He wore he, he was dressed up, you know. Sundays he wore his church wore his church clothes all day, um, but the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday, he he worked on Redstone Arsenal um, as uh, he was actually a supervisor over the pipe fitters, and he would wear these really thin blue coveralls. He would come home from work, clean up, and put on a second pair or a a clean pair of blue overalls <laughs> and go, uh, or coveralls and work, go work in the garden or do something in his shop. He, he, I asked my grandmother one time, does granddaddy, does he own any shorts or, you know, t shirts? And she said, no, he's never worn shorts. And it was funny because when we would go to the creek, we were waiting, but he was wearing these blue coveralls waiting in, you know, the Alabama summer and uh i can just remember in my mind it's funny i'm 40 years old and i still can almost hear the water i can it's almost like i can close my eyes and look down and see i felt like he would he would carry me across the deep holes and i was like man this guy is so strong he's picking me up and carrying me across these deep holes and he's not even shivering and you know and i remember looking down and thinking man he's really tall he's able to carry me all the way across there. And I'm not even touching the water. And, you know, it sounds like a silly thing, but then I've done that now with my both of my sons when they were little. Um, I've got a picture in my office at work of me holding my oldest son's hand when he's, I don't know, he's maybe six years. No, he's five years old. And I've got my youngest son. My wife had one of those, some kind of rat where you wear the baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I had I had my youngest stuffed in one of those. My wife was with us; she was on the bank. But anyway, my son wanted to go out, and my oldest son wanted to go out and fish this one little deep section of the creek. And I had baby in the little wrap, and then I had him. And my wife took a picture um, when we were walking back, and I have that in my office of me holding on to my oldest and got the youngest strapped on me and i don't know it's it was almost again like a full circle like i i still can remember like how i thought my granddad was like the strongest man in the world because (laughs) he could he could pick me up over barbed wire fences or carry me across the creek and um but then i ended up doing it with my kids and i would hope they would think that same thing about me when they have those memories but and i don't know why that really that's always stuck in my head about him and um there's many many reasons that i looked up to him but for some reason that one particular memory and i'm sure it happened many times uh, when we were out fishing or wading um or just flipping rocks uh and there was one other instance where Whenever I was in high school or middle school, I couldn't drive yet. And he, uh, I exempted my test for like, you know, around Christmas, the end of the fall semester. So he came and checked me out. He did. He never hunted. I mean, he didn't even own a gun, um, that I know of. And, but I wanted to hunt and my great aunt had some property and, uh, I just, it's sort of funny now, but I remember he, he took me, he picked me up from school and took me over to my great aunts and he went, uh, I guess we'll call it hunting, but you know, it was, I actually, it was, uh, I was into bow hunting at that time. So I had a bow and I mean, I didn't have a stand. It was just like, we're just going walking in the woods with a bow pretty much. But I just remember he never complained. He never did anything. He, just sort of stayed back and let me do my thing. And I can remember I came back to where, uh, the, the back or the front side of the property where we started or where I started. And he was just sitting on a log and was looking through some rocks. He had collected that he thought were pretty. <laughs> and it's like, and, but he again, he, for whatever reason that, that was just as fun to him. He was, you know, he encouraged what I, um, was interested in. And, uh, never complained you know never a cross word about it and and again i like to think that i'm sort of like him and he just you know he sat there and found beauty in and rocks that that were around a, a stunt he was sitting at so so yeah i mean those i like to think i don't know if it's genetic or if that made an impression you know on my brain or what but i mean that's always sort of stuck with me
0: Sure. I mean, there's no, there's no amount of money that can buy presents. He was present with you.
1: Exactly. And,
0: and that his presence is, that's a huge impact, you know, you can't, and you can't mm-hmm. buy that. There's no other way to do that than to be present, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what a, what a treasure,
2: what a treasure. Okay. Absolutely. Sounds, sounds like a great man. Yep. You know I was we were brad and i we were we went to the Atlanta fly fishing show mm-hmm. um and uh, on the way we went through some back roads through um kind of northwest Georgia. and uh i pass we passed a a an a house that was kind of set off to the road and there was a fifty five gallon drum that was smoking mmm and somebody was burning trash. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly my granddaddy burning trash at his house. <laughs> and you know, they, didn't, they didn't have trash pickup. I mean, that's how you disposed of it. Yeah, all, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But man, just little things like that, you know, I mean, it wasn't a significant part of my childhood burning trash, but it was something that stuck out to me and made me think about my own granddad this past week. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's funny how those things were.
0: Yeah. It's also funny, you know it's the funny things that we remember and we as parents we want them to remember things and they don't remember that they remember yeah. the <laughs> insignificant things you know that you yeah. had you were obli- i'm oblivious to it uh-huh. my son leo would be like you remember this and i go yeah i guess i, I guess i do <laughs> yeah, but it was sure. meaningful to him you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh man what's uh, um I love these. Like this is like a sort of a mixed bag. We call it a digital campfire. Do you have any like a campfire story? That's like one of those little short, you know, little punchy like campfire stories that would be you would love to tell around. It can be funny or, you know, we had we had Hank Hank from uh, Hank's bait shop told a great bear story. If you got a bear story, those are always fun. Oh yeah,
1: bear
2: story, bear story. I've
1: got plain stories.
0: You know anything like that?
1: Let's see. I've got. <laughs>
0: near-death experiences
1: well i guess yeah i guess we could call it near death or it felt like it um i was on uh actually where i saw you guys or met you guys the first time i was on this uh, creek there further north um i've told the story several times i uh was was fishing one morning it was God it was i just remember it was so hot and humid and i was got out super early because it's like i wanted to hit that morning topwater bite be done be back home before the heat of the day um got out and it was one of those mornings where just you know you get out and everything's going wrong you are tripping over your boot laces and you know just everything well i get in the water and i'm fishing along and uh, there's this one big root ball that i always cast i was like there's always there's always a fish there and I actually lost a pretty nice one there probably two weeks before. So I sneak up there because the water's low and, um, well, it's actually a little ledge and I step off to where I'm about knee deep. And now that, and this, I'll get to this later, but nowadays I've gotten away from waders a little bit, but, um, there was a period, after this incident, I wore waders for a really long time. Now, whether they would have helped me or not, I don't know. But I was wearing shorts this morning, and I'm cast into this root ball. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, man, I just got to get There's this little, almost like a little uh, side channel that I wanted to get to. It's like, I know a fish is sitting there. I try to haul off and make a accurate cast. one of those things i make the back cast and the forecast my line just never comes forward and i feel a tug and it's hung in the tree behind me so Uh, normally if i wasn't frustrated i would just walk over and undo it you know because it was low enough i could grab the branch so um i'm frustrated so i keep yanking on the rod yanking on the rod or the line finally the fly comes flying back it didn't break off i'm like okay so i start fishing again and like i don't know i would say a minute after that happens something like grazes my leg and i gotcha. jumped like completely out of the water and i'm kicking you know i'm just going nuts well it was a stick that it broke off from the <laughs> limb i was yanking on <laughs> so, so i'm so i finally calmed down I'm like man i thought that was a snake and i'm like thank goodness so my heart finally slows down i start fishing again but another minute goes by and something rubs up against my leg again and i'm like that stick is snagged on my fly uh-huh. line. so i take my right leg and i kick uh-huh. and whenever i do i feel it up against my left leg i'm like what is the deal with the stick i look down and there's a a cotton mouth that looks like it's the size Uh of a baseball bat swimming between my legs
0: oh my gosh she Mm. goes
1: she uh, he or she swims uh, between my legs goes over to the root ball climbs up on it where i was fishing and just sort of coils up and sits there and watches me like hey i'm just going to warn you this time And and it was it was one of those instances where I, I called my wife and I was telling her what happened. But this sounds silly until this happened to you. I could not, I could not make myself step out of the water onto grass. Mm. I know that sounds mm-hmm. weird, like because there was tall grass I had to step through. But in my mind, every all that tall grass was full of snakes. Like I could not. It. I had to get courage to finally just take a step into the grass. And when uh, you see
2: one they're everywhere in your mind from then on it's like
1: yeah yeah. fishing's over for the day if i say you're you're, in a hive yeah (laughs)
2: yeah Um, Yeah, you're
1: in a hive oh god yeah i mean they're yeah and they're so so yeah that was definitely um scary moment one other really quick one uh same creek this time let me just say
2: i'm i would have been glad i didn't have waiters on because those those waiters would have been ruined (laughs)
1: Yeah. So
0: it definitely had to hose them out inside yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Good so thing mine are brown.
1: Yeah. So, so that's the thing. I, I wore waders for the longest time after that. I don't know if they would, you know, they're double stitched or double layered up front. I don't, I just felt better wearing waders. Um, I, yeah. I, I hate to admit it, I've got back to like, you know, just wearing some fishing pants now. Um, unless it's really cold, but the, the other part, my, second incident on the same creek like i said further south this time was in february and it was a warm day like today like in the 60s we'd had a couple of days of 60s and i was like oh man i've got to go at least try and see if there's any fish out moving so it was after church on sunday i came home got my waders headed down and uh anyway i fished for probably hour and a half two hours i only caught two decent sized crappie and uh I'm getting ready to leave. And I was like, well, I'll make my way around this bend. And I make my way around the bend and I fish another deep hole that's known to hold fish. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to give it up for the day. Turn around and start wading back. And uh, all of a sudden I like hear something on the bank. I'm like, what is that? And I turn, turn, meaning where I just walked past. And I see this alligator just slide off, and he was—he had just come out of, I guess, hibernation because he was like, he had been coated in mud, but then it dried, so he blended in perfectly with the bank. And you understand, I mean, I know, Brad, you probably see alligators. I'm not used, I mean, we have them here, obviously, but I, you know, they're like the snakes to me. I I don't want to be around them. I don't know if they would hurt you or not. Anyway, he slid into the water with me. And I'm in like waist deep water and me never being around alligators. I'm like freaking out. And uh, and so again, uh, and actually I haven't visited that far South ever since. And that's been probably seven or eight years ago. Wow.
2: Yeah. I did good night alive. We grew up around, you know, I had alligators all over the place in you Yeah. Take your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but good grief. I didn't know they were up this, uh, up that far? far oh yeah.
1: yeah, and again, which that that creek that uh that you guys been on, it changes a whole lot when you go south. Um, but it's really weird to have all those things in one creek. You know, that's just something we're not used to around here, and you don't see a whole yeah. lot. Wow, yeah. wow, but, good night, lad. Yeah, man. so a couple of close mm. calls, I guess you could say.
0: <laughs> no doubt especially yeah. cod mouth twin your legs golly man. oh yeah That'd give you the thing things that make you go Ooh, yeah Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I don't
2: I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight yeah. I wish I could oh yeah tie flies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man <laughs> time to bring out the watercolors tonight <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to sleep <laughs> oh man man Brandon this has been awesome one thing that uh, we like to ask our guests is uh, what's your next adventure?
1: um next adventure of uh, well let's see i think march we're gonna uh, the kids spring break we're gonna try to get up to the smokies i've got to get my brook trout fix my my youngest he he loves brook trout he's never actually caught a um a southern appalachian brook trout he's caught the you know northern strains that they put in a lot of rivers um Are those there? the bigger ones what's that
2: are those the bigger ones?
1: The northern the, strain is, yeah. They're, the northern strain? Yeah, they're usually not as, well, I say usually not as colorful. The ones that are stocked sort of have that bland color, um, and they do get bigger by far. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try to try to do that. Um, and then this, so starting in May, May, June, and two times in July. So this year, um Don't mind me plugging this, but the smallmouth tour. Um, I'm gonna be a guide and instructor this year on the Ozark smallmouth tour. Um, uh, my friend Dwayne Hayda, his son in law, Tad Keith Reeves, and Ben Levin are the other guys, and so really, really neat opportunity So, um, again, there'll be a lot, I'll put out details and stuff, but. Um, yeah May 27th is the first date so what we do is we go to we have what we call river or creek stops so there'll be one weekend a month except in July there'll be two where we will go like in May let's see we go to the Washita River or Washita Wilderness and Mm -hmm. so it'll be a Saturday and Sunday so like Saturday we'll bring in I think we're going to I think they did a capacity of like 10 say students or people come but the first day we will do like we'll teach a top water fly a mid column fly like a, some type of streamer and then a bottom dweller is going to be a, a crayfish a crawfish of some type probably dwayne's creek crawler and then we sort of go over techniques like, hey, this is because a lot of the guys that are interested in smallmouth, especially in the Ozarks, they're coming from a trout background. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing, and you guys probably noticed it too, the cool thing about smallmouth is they're, they're almost sort of, they can be sort of trout like um, the way you approach them. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yep. so, a little we'll, more
0: refined. We'll say they're refined.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll call them more refined so so we'll we'll sort of go over techniques and how to and then so then the next day we actually take all the guys out and all of us guides split up we'll say two guys and we just go to these pristine rivers or whatever the stops at and we um put them on fish or you know they put their skills to test i know i think it was the either the spring river which that's a So it's the Ouachita River, Kings River, Spring River, and then Crooked Creek, which Crooked Creek is just, it's a special place. Like it's, it feels like home for me, like Crooked Creek. Uh, I went up last year and fished with Dwayne and his son-in-law and, um, Keith just for fun. And, uh, I think we fished for three days, no, yeah, like two and a half days and uh, caught like over 150 smallmouth. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, the the thing there is it's 100% sight fishing. It's it's way different from here. It's all sight fishing. Um, you really don't catch a lot on top. I actually, Tad was like, hey, Brent, I need you to prove me wrong. Show me these smallmouth topwater. And I ended up, I caught some on some big foam dragonflies and one or two on a deer hair bug. But Um, they key in on the crawfish or, you know, like we had clouds or minnows and, uh, that you got to have something on the bottom, bouncing near the bottom or a little streamer. Um, but it's just, uh, it's a unique place. And, uh, so yeah, so that's the, that's really the big, big thing for me this year will be the smallmouth tour. I'm not gonna probably won't be able to guide on all the stops like there's four, yeah, four right now. Um, it, I'm at least gonna do half of them. Um,
2: that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, but I'm hoping I'm hoping some I can get some. I've got one or two guys from Alabama that we're gonna try to come up and do it because it's not just a, it's not just a smallmouth class. It's I would say it's a, more of like a small. It's like a small stream or creek bass school if you will um master class yeah yeah exactly like you get out and you really learn how to i mean you're a lot of times you're stalking these fish because the water's so clear and low so it's it's neat it's it's a lot of fun uh so that'll be the big thing for me this year excellent
2: yeah Yeah, that sounds great yeah what a great what a great opportunity
1: yeah Uh,
0: how um what are what are ways that if people want to support you you know, to, or buy flies from you? How, how do people go about doing that, Brandon?
1: Um, well, the uh, fulling mills, uh, they still carry, uh, you know, commercial stuff is through them. I'm hoping um, there will be more commercial patterns of mine with them within the next year or two. I've been Very talking cool. with the guys about some of the really like I'm trying to get some of the smaller deer hair stuff in with them because I, I think I've. it all comes down to efficiency. I think I've got a way that they can make right. these smaller deer hair bugs that you just don't see in bins, but and still mm-hmm. make, they'll still make money. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely fully meals. And, um, as far as like, from me personally, what I've been doing here, so my new, my new year's resolution, um, last year i had a at one time i had a four month backlog of orders i mean it was it was it was a lot and it almost (laughs) got to the point to where i had like you know burnout you know i was just like it became not fun so Mm. what i've started doing um i've just been telling guys like hey if you see something like I always ask questions i mean even if it's if you want to tie some yourself ask me but um i'm happy to help people out but two i mean there's times like i was just telling you about the uh deer hair ducks i tied for my friend like i'll just tie stuff say that i'm in the mood for and uh, what i usually do is i'll tie and then just put them up on my stories for sale um yeah. that's I think that's going to be the way I go, at least for now, um, just because, like I said last year, man, the backlog was so heavy. And I did, you know, demo, which I still love doing demos, but I was just, I was running on fumes <laughs> towards mm-hmm. the end of summer. So, um, so yeah, people can look at my Instagram, sort of keep up there, and uh, i try to keep Keep stuff moving on my stories as to what I'm tying and, you know, people just grab as they, as they see them.
2: We'll we'll put all that link uh, to your Instagram on our, um, on our, on our show notes and, and point people to you. Um, if you, if you're listening to this and you don't have any desire to tie a fly, but you want to see true art, in the, in this form, man, it would be worth checking out. Absolutely. So uh, man, you've got that. such a, you've got such a great uh, eye for detail. And some of the sunfish patterns that you've tied are just phenomenal. Um, but uh, Brandon, thank you so much, man. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you for joining I've, I've us. Really thank you for sharing it. with us and you're a, uh, you're, you're a true treasure for Alabama and a part of this fly fishing community. And um just thankful that you came on this show, man.
1: Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. i really enjoyed it. Thank y'all for the stories y'all tell. I'll tell you, about y'all are my. Y'all don't know how many days y'all have been my running buddy. Whenever I'm at the track on my lunch break, I just put my ear pods in and and start my job, my three mile jog with you guys. So oh, it's man. always. Wow. Thank you awesome. for that, man. Yeah. So thanks thanks for listening.
0: Yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and a huge thank you to and there's so so many folks. We we were at the fly fishing show in Atlanta. Um, just not too long ago or this past weekend for us but I don't know exactly when this sh- this episode is actually going to air this season but we were at the fly fishing show and we just had this wonderful experience of people coming up to us and going you know we had our hats on like I'm wearing if you're watching YouTube I was wearing our story.doors hats together and we had our uniform on and people <laughs> people were you know like are you the guys from the story.doors and we're like yes and uh, they're like you know we love listening to your show, and so it was such a treat to hear. Oh yeah, people. We it wasn't mom and them, you know. It wasn't just just mom and them listening. It was there are more people listening, and we are so thankful for all of those folks that take time to listen and and these stories have encouraged people. We heard some of those uh, sort of reports from different people that really connected to a particular story. You know, particularly our friend Hugh, um, you mm-hmm. know, that's been an impactful story from oh, Hugh, yeah. and been a real blessing to people that are, are in a similar, you know, a similar situation. Perhaps, you know, your, your testimony of taking, you know, something that was not good for you and turning that into something to channel that um, channel that creativity in a way that was helpful and beneficial for you. Maybe that you know is something somebody needs to hear, and that's why we love to share these stories. Yeah. That's why it's so beneficial for us to tell these stories and to find people like you to introduce to people that may not have ever come across your story, and it'll be impactful for them. And so that's why, man, we love doing what we do, and thankful for those that listen. And uh, thankful for all those that have taken time to leave a review. If you want to help us grow the show, and grow the podcast, make it easier to find, write a written review, and leave a rating on your podcast platform, whether it's Spotify or Apple Apple Podcasts or Google Casts or all the different podcast platforms. There are so many that I didn't even know existed until we started doing this, but usually there's a way to leave some kind of a review, and that really is a beneficial thing for the podcast to help grow that and help uh, help get the word out. Uh, if you have other questions or comments, you can email us at the storiedoutdoors at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have somebody that you think would be a great guest for our podcast, we would love to hear from you. We're constantly looking for stories to tell and, and people to meet and friends to make. And um, for more content as far as uh, pictures, Brandon has shared with us some pictures and some things from his site that will be on our website and, um, so he'll have a dedicated page on the story.doors.com for his episode and photos from some of his adventures and some of his just incredible artwork and, and flies that catch fish, but also look really cool on the wall. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. We hope these conversations really encourage people to be creative, to make art, to find ways to connect themselves to the creator. And, uh, and emulate something that, something that you do really well and steward really well, Brandon. And We hope uh, maybe they'll write them down. That's the other big thing that we hope, we hope for people to take time to write down their stories. Share adventures in the place that we love to call The Storied Outdoors.